Oregon basketball has a giant slaying weekend. Down go top 10 teams at the hands of the Ducks, USC, and the Arizona women, the latest ones to fall. Lots of Oregon basketball today. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm Spencer McLaughlin, your host. Thank you for making this your first listen every day. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single day. Remember to like and subscribe if you have not already. And if you want to get a question answered here on the show, the Twitter handle is at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked On Ducks. Or you can tweet using the hashtag Ask. LOD pod. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TVs, music, gaming, and more. My parents have one at their house. It's pretty nice. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. Watching movies on something like that is quite useful, I will say, and sports as well. And how about the sports for the Oregon Ducks over the weekend? I mean, we are this close to changing our name as a school, if things keep going this way, we can no longer be referred to as the Ducks. We must be referred to as the Knights or the Giant Slayers. Because the only thing Oregon basketball currently knows how to do, and it appears destined to repeat certainly for the end of time, as we all know, is beat really good teams. If you did not know, over the weekend, Oregon basketball, the men beat number five USC. The women beat number 7 Arizona. I'm recording this before, the day before, the women play number 10 UConn. If the Ducks make it 4-0, I'm throwing a party. Seriously. And everyone who listens to the show is invited. Because I didn't even th- I thought going into this weekend between uh, the women playing Arizona and UConn, the men playing at UCLA and at USC, I thought 2 of 2 would 2 and 2 would have been outstanding, and here we are in a position to go 4-0. Maybe they go 3-1, and but the women are playing at home. You, <laughs> you never know. They're playing some good basketball right now, but the men, oh my gosh, i got to get through that that entire game. And by the way, yes, I know, Travis Dye is in the transfer portal. I will give you a very brief rundown of my position on that because I'm going to wait for a full analysis until the entire situation Plays, it set, plays itself out, right, till we see where he goes, whether or not he comes back to the University of Oregon, which I have heard is a possibility. But yes, I was surprised. That is the quickest rundown that I will give you right now because this is uh, there's a lot of good stuff with basketball right now. And Travis Dye, not the best news for the Duck fans, but also not the worst as well. The running back room, remember, there's a lot of talent in there. I was surprised. I will be interested to see where he goes. Won't be shocked if he comes back to Oregon. As John Rothstein, who is a great follow on Twitter, elegantly put it, and has many times, his name is Dana Altman, and he aligns Rubik's Cubes. That's what he says about, you know, coaches who are kind of the puppet masters behind the scenes playing chess while others are playing checkers. Dana Altman has coached these Oregon Ducks who were blown out by 40 points or more 
against BYU, routed by Houston earlier in the season. Here they are, that same team, gelling, playing together, playing hard. They're the first Pac-12 team in the conference to beat two top five teams on the road since the 1964-65 merger in what was at the time, I believe, the Pac-8 conference and has now, of course, grown into the Pac-12. But they are the first team in Pac-12 history to sweep a road trip versus two AP top 10 teams in the conference. They're the first team in college basketball to beat two top five teams on the road in a five-day span since Clemson in 1975 and 1976 in that season. That is what these Ducks just did. I tell you all that because A, it's cool, and B, you have to understand how difficult what they just accomplished truly was. It is not something that had been seen in a very long time. Back-to-back historic wins for Dana Altman after the UCLA game got him career win number 700, the eighth coach in basketball in college basketball history to get to that threshold. Absolutely remarkable stuff. You just love to see it. Going through the whole game, individual performances, we're, we're going to do that all today. After I tell you about Built Parts. The new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier or turning around your basketball program, see what I did there, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better. I mean, you want to eat healthy, but it gets boring. And by week three, you might be thinking, this is not worth it. Where's the chocolate? For me, it would be Oreos. But Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars have 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. A candy bar's got about 240 calories, 130 grams, or excuse me, 30 grams of sugar, 130 would be outrageous, and dozens of net carbs. And there's a bunch of flavors, anything that you can think of, anything that you could want, peanut butter, brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, they've got it all. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, so let's get to the game. Oregon comes out against USC, guns blazing. They are hot shooting, and that was a lovely change from what Dana Altman teams usually do. Not just in the grand scheme of season, but also on a game-by-game basis. They don't tend to start out shooting very well in the early going. They find it sort of as the game goes along. But this one, they came out hot. And there are two guys that I really want to highlight because they played exceptionally in this game. And they have been the ultimate example of how hard work makes you better and just grit, determination, and staying committed to the process. And they are Oregon's big guys, Frank Kepnong and Nafali Dante. Those two guys who, by the way, they never play together. You won't see them on the court at the same time. That's by design, and it's a brilliant design. And the reason it's so smart from Dana Altman and that staff is because they're sort of the same guy, right? Neither is a shooter. They're both big bodies. They're growing into really high-level rim protectors, and their offensive games continue to look better and better, and they're good at setting screens all that sort of stuff, and I feel confident with both of them on the court, right? Or either of them, I should say. When when Dante goes out and Kepnon comes in, I I don't feel like, oh man, now we have to you know figure things out while Dante's on the bench. 
having that interchange and always having that presence inside. Whereas, you know, when, when Kenny Wooten was blocking shots for Oregon, when he went out of the game, there wasn't really a second shot blocker there. Whereas, you know, on the Final Four team that Oregon had, when Jordan Bell was in the game, you could put Boucher in there and he could block shots and they could sort of interchange a little bit. So I, I love how that rotation works. But both guys, when they, when they got to Oregon, Dante has struggled with injuries and was a pretty highly rated recruit, kept on much more raw coming out uh, of Cameroon. I mean, Dante is from Mali, Kepnong is from Cameroon, and now they're in Eugene, Oregon. That is just the awesome world of sports in a nutshell right there. But those two guys have improved their game so tremendously over the last couple of years, and all the credit goes to the coaching staff and Dante and Kepnong for putting in the hard work. I have noticed it. I know Oregon fans have as well, and they were exceptional in this game. They combined for six blocks. They rebounded well. They boxed out well. They're, they're, they're being smart with when they choose to attack and, and show the offensive repertoire, which is coming along for both of them. I, I am really, really pleased with what I'm seeing out of, out of those guys. Also in this game, Will Richardson, career-high 28 points. He was 5 of 8 from 3, 9 of 15 from the floor. Aggressive Will Richardson is my favorite Will Richardson. And this guy has been such a, a great Oregon Duck over the last several years, he came in as a freshman. Peyton Pritchard was there, played with him for a little bit, and he was, you know, the the rightful successor to the point guard and kind of the leader of the team. And he has done a really good job. And he, he didn't have a great start to this season. He, he was a little bit off, and he had the thumb issue that that he got fixed with surgery in the off season. But he's coming into his own. I wouldn't be surprised if he's named the Pac-12 player of the week after uh, 16 against UCLA and another 28 against USC and a couple of huge wins for the Ducks. But when he has his outside shot going, what that allows him to do is use his frame. He's six foot five and he is every inch of six foot five. And when he's able to attack, get inside and finish with that left hand and also distribute to, to Kepnong and Dante down low, he is a really effective player, and he had it rolling. He was pulling up from wherever he wanted to from distance tonight and set a new career high with 28 points. His previous career high was 26, and oh, man, was that a really, really good sign. Because if Oregon is going to make a run in the tournament, March Madness in general is sort of about this, but Oregon especially, I think, it's about your guard play. You have to have high-level guard play. Notice the teams that get to the national championship games They've always got good point guards, whether they're future NBA guys, you know, Gonzaga, Jalen Suggs recently, or, and it's not always a prototypical guard per se, but you have to have your primary ball handler has to be able to distribute and has to be able to get his own shot at a high level. And the, the teams that get there have always got that, you know, the, the Virginia team had guys like Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, really good college players. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was in the national championship game recently. Uh, Gonzaga was there. They had Jalen Suggs. He, of course, went on the NBA. Baylor, their guards last last year were unbelievable. I mean, it's really about guard play at the college level because they're the guys who keep everyone together, who start the offense and all that sort of stuff. And I think that's more important when you're dealing with college kids than you than it is when you're dealing with with pros in the NBA. But you know, something else I noticed in, in this game from Oregon watching it. And I was listening to Joy Mack on the radio for, for a little bit of it as well. The defensive intensity 
is just way better on a possession-by-possession possession basis. And Oregon has now won six of its last seven games, and part of it is they're starting to actually hit their shots. We're still not there at the free-throw line, but you know we're making, making progress, baby steps. But I, I think that the defensive intensity is just way better. And Dana Altman, that's where his teams are always good. They, they're phenomenally well-coached at the defensive end year in, and year out, and it is a really beautiful thing to watch. The way that they rotate, play together, talk on screens, communicate, the shot blockers rotate well, and they don't foul too often. That's a really hard thing to do, to be a high-level shot blocker and not be in foul trouble all the time. Oregon has always had that. Great shot blockers and guys who are not in foul trouble on a regular basis. So I, I love seeing the defensive intensity picking up, and by the way, this is a game on the road Against number five USC, who had only lost one game this year, Oregon led the entire way. They didn't trail the entire game. I mean, that is coming out. To, to me, what that is showing, and the defensive intensity that I saw from the get-go, what that showed me with this Oregon team is that they are determined. They are a team on a mission, and they had a good amount of preseason hype, understandably, because this is what people expected of them. To be able to play at this level with the best teams in the Pac-12, which is actually a good basketball conference, which is really refreshing because football is just not in a very good place at the moment as a conference. But basketball absolutely is. We saw that last year in the tournament. I think we're going to see it again this year with some really quality teams, UCLA, Arizona, USC, and now Oregon in the mix. It's a great thing to see, and Oregon is establishing themselves as one of the best teams in the Pac-12. And this is what people thought we could see. We didn't see it early in the season, and now we are. And it's really, really fun fun to watch. But going through the game, Oregon had some big, big-time leads. They hit some shots before the half. I think they were up 16 at the half, and they came out, missed their first shot, and USC scored. But you know they were able to sustain the USC runs. And Part of it was that at the offensive end, the Ducks were smart and they were patient. And then at the other end, they trust their coaching. And as I said, defensively, they are really well coached under Dana Altman. That is just always true with, with Dana Altman coach teams. If you watch them and if you know basketball, you, you know that those the, these Duck teams always, always are good at the defensive end. And, and guys know where they're supposed to be. There's not a lot of lapses and... When they're playing hard, the athleticism that this team has, they have the potential to really stifle some good teams, as UCLA and USC have found out. We'll get to how the game ended and how Oregon really you know, kind of put their foot on the Trojans' throats. But after I tell you that Bet Online wants to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march through the playoffs and beyond, Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year and a new updated desktop and mobile website, so sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available in 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. Okay, so Oregon has this lead, and big leads in college basketball, really in the NBA as well, but especially in college basketball when you're dealing with college kids, they're never safe. No no lead is safe. I mean, did I feel good when we were up 16 
and up to as many as 18 early in the second half? Yeah, I did. But did I know the game was far from over? I knew that as well. And USC did make a run, which is how college basketball games tend to go. But Oregon had these moments where it looked like they were going to seriously let the Trojans back into the game. But going into the under-12 media timeout in the second half, it looked like USC was going to be able be able to get it down to like a seven or maybe a five point game if things continued how they had been going. But this Oregon team was mentally tough, dug deep, didn't panic. They never panicked and they just kept playing the way they had been and they were able to get timely stops, great box outs in the second half of Isaiah Mobley and other big guys in the USC front court. And they locked down pretty well on Boogie Ellis in the second half because he was very good. He had 14 of the Trojans' first 27 points. But USC never even tied the game. It was never even a tie game because Oregon just stayed on it, right? They never lost focus. They had one goal in mind to get out of there with another big-time win, and they did just that. And this is padding the resume for the Ducks. They still have a ways to go in terms of earning their their merit as a tournament team on their own, right? You can't just have a couple good wins. If you're going to get in without winning the Pac-12 Conference Tournament and getting the automatic bid, you have to have a lot of wins at the end of the year. The good news is the schedule upcoming this week is very winnable. Three home games on the schedule for the Ducks this week, Washington State, Washington, and Oregon State. And the Beavers, after an Elite Eight run a season ago, are having a dreadful 2021-22 campaign, and I am just torn up about it, as you can tell. So, the Pac-12 is good at basketball, but Oregon just got through the toughest part of their schedule thus far. They haven't played Arizona yet. That'll come later in the year, but you just, you focus on the here and now, and this, these have got to be three wins for Oregon. You can't afford a loss to any of of these teams, especially especially the Beavers, who you know are always going to play Oregon tough. Rivalry games, it's it's going to be difficult. It just is, even when the Beavs are as down as they are. But this was such, this is just such a great win. I didn't think Oregon was going to win, and I would have been content with that. Right, beat UCLA, go in, play USC tight, come out with a competitive loss. I would have still felt good. But when they won this game, and the way they won this game, they dominated from start to finish. By the way, if you hear anyone say, well, there were no fans in there. When you beat a team like this, it would not have mattered. UCLA maybe was a different story, but both teams are playing the same game. You get the same players out there anyway. UCLA was close. Home team definitely helps. When Oregon is the better team on that night, to the extent that they were, fans were not going to sway that game. It was a 16-point game at the half, okay? Fans are not changing that. So if anyone tells you that, you shut them down right away because that's preposterous uh, with regards to the USC game. But the Pac-12 is actually good at basketball, which, as I said, is really refreshing because, man, the the football. I hope our new commissioner can get it going in, in the right direction. I think the move to Vegas is a good one. But there's still institutional investments that have got to be made from the conference and schools with regards to money and getting the right coaches. All of that has got to be able to change if it's going to be better. And you want the conference to be strong. You do. And USC hiring Lincoln Riley is a step in that direction. We'll see how that works out. 
I have a feeling he's going to be able to win games, even if it takes him a year or two. But the Pac-12's football resume from this 2021 season, not good. Not, not It's been two years since the Pac-12's won a bowl game, okay? That's atrocious, atrociously bad. So it's nice they're good at basketball, and when you have the good teams and you beat them, that's great. But now Oregon men's basketball, they can't get complacent, right? You, you can't say, oh, look at those big wins. Look at the history we made, right? First uh, Pac-12 team since the conference merger in 1964-65 to beat two AP top five teams on the road in the same week. First team to do it at the uh, collegiate level nationally since 75-76 when Clemson did it. You, you can't ride too hot. You want to enjoy those moments, and I know that those guys certainly did in the locker room, and deservedly so. But the other teams you're playing this week, they're not going to just roll over, right? Because now you're starting to build yourselves back up, Oregon's, Oregon men's basketball is, as a favorite in the conference. So you're going to get everybody's best punch every night. You're the team that everyone is going to be able to get up for, in a sense, because you have these big wins. So Oregon cannot afford a letdown this week on their schedule. It's got to be three wins. Doesn't have to be three convincing wins, though You know it'll be a lot less stressful for me if it is uh, a set of three convincing wins. But you know all of them at home, after, after the road trip, they get some time at, at Matthew Knight Arena. And I, I tell you what, if they can get those three wins, I will feel really good about, about where they're going. And it, it's a long season, but it's starting to wind down quicker than you think and can't afford too many more slip-ups. So you, you got to try to and try and avoid those this week. And um, speaking of playing at Matthew Knight Arena, there was a pretty phenomenal game that I tuned into on the radio with Terry Johns on the call, who, who was fantastic, by the way. How about the Oregon women's basketball team? Uh, again, kind of the same story this year as the men, where they were... A preseason top 15 team, I believe, and they had some hype and they had players coming back and it just hasn't gone as planned for a multitude of reasons. But now they've gotten some players back and they're starting to play much better basketball. And you talk about a a statement win and this is certainly that for Kelly Graves and company. I mean, you talk about just the incredible success that these two coaches, Dana Altman and Kelly Graves, have been having at the University of Oregon. There are not a lot of programs in the country, not a lot of schools in the country that can say that their men and women's basketball teams are able to play at the level that Oregon's are. Oregon's teams are year in and year out. It, it is really impressive, and it, it's all about coaching and Graves and Altman. They are really, really sensational. But the women's basketball team—they were playing number seven Arizona. They were down 17 points in the third quarter. No problem. No problem. And shout out to the crowd in Matthew Knight Arena because they were great. All the players were giving them love on Twitter, which you, you love to see. And they ended up getting it to overtime. And India Rogers had the game-winning put back with four-tenths of a second left. And I, I tell you what, as I record this, it is the night before the women play number 10 UConn. If it's a 4-0 spurt against top 10 teams in a four-five-day stretch... For Oregon basketball, 
I, I might just come on here and yell Go Ducks while playing Shout for 25 minutes on Tuesday's pod. So be ready for that if, uh, if the Lady Ducks are able to once again pull the upset. So lots of good vibes right now for Oregon basketball, which you love to see when March is right around the corner. This is when you want to start to, to figure out all the kinks, get your lineup set, start playing well, hitting shots, and hitting your stride leading up to March. That's when you need to play your best basketball and I, of course, will be here to take you through it all and be on this wonderful journey we call being fans of the Oregon Ducks. I appreciate everyone listening. Like and subscribe if you haven't already. I will see you tomorrow. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks!